Roll tight, everybody, and welcome to Bama Talk. I'm Steve Sample, throwing out the first pitch at Airwave Recording Studio in Birmingham, Alabama, and we're planning on putting this one right over the plate with another great Built by Bama success story today. We all know the Tide sports history goes all the way back to the late 19th century, and because football long ago wrote its name in crimson flame, Alabama's always been a national brand name. But Bama basketball and baseball have brought titles back to T-Town, too. The whole nation knows Sarah Patterson's gymnastics programs made a place for themselves at the pinnacle of their sport for over 30 years, and they're the envy of colleges all across the country that compete in gymnastics meets because they consistently cram thousands of Crimson Tide fans into Coleman Coliseum, and they create an atmosphere you got to see to believe. They just won back-to-back national championships, just like the football team. And let's not forget, Mick Potter's women's golf team won the Tide's first title on the links last year. So if winning really is contagious, that's why we've got an epidemic on our hands, because our coaching staffs are infected with a fever for winning and a fervor for finishing in first place. But long about 1997, the university decided to start a women's fast-pitch softball team, and it's taken only 17 short years, which is no time when you're talking about the big time, to bring a Women's World Series title back to Tuscaloosa. They started out playing in a local park because they had no place of their own, but these days the diamond they call home is another precious stone in the Crimson Tide's crown because Rhodes Stadium is the finest college softball facility in the country. You know, and you got to tip your cap to the man that put us on the softball map, head coach Patrick Murphy. A native of Waterloo, Iowa, he earned his bachelor's degree at the University of Northern Iowa in 1988 and a master's from southwestern Louisiana in 1992. His ride with the Tide started in 1996, and then in 1999, he was named head coach in a move that would wind up shaking up the status quo in softball because his teams quickly served notice that the new kid on the block from Bama meant business. Since then, Bama's had 14 straight NCAA tournament bids. They've been to the Women's College World Series eight times. They've won four SEC regular season championships, including the last three in a row, and four SEC tournament titles. Now, while all that was going on, Coach Murphy was also serving as the hitting coach for the Canadian team in the 2004 Olympics, and he was an assistant coach for the U.S. national team in 2009. In the 14 years he's been steering the ship on its trip to the top, the team's been an absolute model of consistency, winning 50 or more games 10 times. He's had 78 players named to the All-SEC team and 74 earned All-American honors. And while the kids have been getting it done with the bats, they've also been hitting the books pretty hard, too, with 152 players making the SEC All-Academic team, and he's had 12 Academic All-Americans. The stadium they call the Rhodes House has developed a reputation all over the nation with an awesome atmosphere on game day that makes it a great place to play. The house that Murph built's been where Bama's led the nation the last several years in either total attendance or attendance per game, and one of the many reasons fans flock to the place is because they feel like they're really part of the program. And another one of the things they do that's really cool is the team actually delivers season tickets in person, which lets people get to know them on a personal level. And it's safe to say they've made a 
lot of friends that way. What really sticks out about this softball team, though, is that they're about as tight-knit a bunch as I've ever seen. And after you've been around them a while, you'll know what I mean. They play hard, they play with passion, and they play together. If you watched the Women's College World Series in OKC on TV last June, you were part of the biggest audience in its broadcast history. The ratings were three times what they'd ever been before, and that three-game series was as exciting a finish to a season as anybody could hope for. Going into that final game tied at one win apiece against an awfully good Oklahoma team that featured arguably the best player in the country, it was do or die. But the sky opened up, so there was a rain delay that meant they'd be playing late into the night. When the delay stopped, the Sooners were ahead, but when the downpour started, they ducked into the dugout while Bama got out and danced in the rain. You know, like a little water could worry the Crimson Tide? Come on. Then when play resumed, the Tide just kept finding ways to make plays, and the game ended in a spectacular scenario with Jackie Traina striking out the Sooners' star player. The next day, when the team plane landed back in Tuscaloosa, the six seniors walked across the runway carrying Alabama's first softball national championship trophy toward hundreds of fans that showed up to meet them, and I think the handshakes and the hugs that were shared that day sealed the deal on a bright future for Bama's softball family. The Tide's 22-0 right now with a huge game against the Gators coming up that will be followed by a series in the Smokies with Tennessee. And the guy that leads our girls has agreed to give us a few minutes of his time today, and we're really glad to say uh, welcome to the coach of our defending national softball championships, Patrick Murphy. Coach, we've been wanting to visit with you for a long time. How's it going? Steve, thanks for having me on. It's been uh, a great year so far, and um, you know the weather hasn't been the best, but we've persevered and you know a little adversity never hurts so hey, I was, we're ready to keep playing hey i was down there last wednesday night and uh, i've just about thawed out but hey it was still a good time hey you know when you joined the staff as an assistant gosh back in what 1996 uh, you know you guys started out playing at Sokol park which is a decent community field but no real facilities how in the world did you get did you manage to schedule established teams and get them to come play there well, that was a chore. Uh, most of the time, they were on their way to somewhere else, and they wanted to stop like during spring break, or uh, maybe they were going to a big tournament in Columbus, Georgia, and they would stop on their way down. Uh, and to tell you the truth, it's almost harder now to schedule. Uh, nobody wants to come here. Um, we try to give out guarantees to uh, top 25, top 30 teams, and uh, I won't go or I, if the team won't um uh, Come here, I won't go to them. So it has to be home and home or yeah. home and away yeah. situation. Uh, and next year, uh, we're going to Arizona and they're coming to us in 2015. So uh-huh. they're one of the few schools that, um, you know, agreed to come to Tuscaloosa if we went to Tucson. So we'll try to get them to bring Jenny Finch with them. Uh, well, you know, I'd love that too. You know, she played uh, on our field in the year 2000. Uh, three of the four teams in that tournament went to the World Series that year. It was wow. Lofty Paul in Arizona. So it was a heck of a good tournament. But, you know, he came in 2000. Uh, it was, um, you know, one of the very first tournaments at our field. It was a brand-new stadium. So I give a lot of credit to Coach Candrea. Oh, that's super. You know, the stadium is one of the most fan-friendly sports venues I've ever been to. The sight lines are fabulous, uh, and the lines to the restrooms are short. You're right on top of the action in the grandstand, and the place is comfortable. It's clean, and there's usually a great crowd. Uh, what's it like for the kids, and does that does that help with recruiting? I mean, it's just a great place to go see a game. Well, you know what? The same guys that designed Turner Field in Atlanta 
were the architects that did our field. And the number one complaint at a professional stadium is the lack of restrooms, um, mostly by women. And then the other complaint was when they were standing in line for the restroom, they missed half the game. So I don't know if you noticed, they designed our stadium with the restrooms on the inside of the stadium, yep. not on the outside. So if you do have to wait, you get to watch the game. Hey, it's one of the first things I noticed. <laughs> you know, I've been, yeah, you know, I've been following football and basketball recruiting for a long time, but I don't know a lot about recruiting for softball. I do know you've got kids from all over the country and they can play, so you're obviously doing a great job of evaluating high school talent. How did you develop a recruiting strategy that's been so successful? Well, you know, number one is we want kids who want to be here. That is above and beyond everything else. So when we identify a kid that we really like, if she likes us, I think the magic is made right then. Yeah. She's not going to keep constantly looking over her shoulder and thinking, what if I would have went there? What if I would have went there? Uh, she's happy. Uh, for the most part, we've had kids who have stayed for four years. We don't have a revolving door on our roster. Even if a kid doesn't play or maybe is a role, a role player, she realizes that um, you know the goal is more important than the role. And everybody on the team, regardless of contribution, gets the same size ring. And, you know, everybody, you know, they really seem to enjoy it. You know, we try to appreciate everybody on the team as much as, you know, the number one player versus the number 19 player. So it's it's been a successful uh, recipe for us. It sure has. And it's just such a great bunch of kids. You know, some of the things that set softball apart from uh, some of the other sports is since they don't wear caps or headgear other than batting helmets, you can see their faces. And since we've been on TV so much, it's, it's almost like we're a reality show. Uh, you get to really know the players. It becomes very personal. And then having the kids deliver season tickets to town people is just so cool. These things have really helped build a bond that you can, you can see, not just as players and fans, but as people on a personal level. That has to be incredible incredibly gratifying uh, and it certainly couldn't hurt recruiting yeah you know that we're we're at a place where you know we seat 4,000 the bowl itself behind home plate is seat 1600 so we really feel like we can cater our, our to our fans unlike you know football with 101,000 there's no way they could do things like that there's just way too many people but you know we call or write everybody that buys a season ticket they get a thank you card uh, they get a phone call. Uh, like you said, we hand deliver 100 season ticket packages a year. You know, mainly local, because we really sure. don't go too far out. North Board and Tuscaloosa. Uh, the look on their faces when the door opens and they see me with their season tickets is, is priceless. You know, most of the time I feel like Ed McMahon with a big old check in my hand. And, you know, I had one lady that had a robe on and she jumped up and down for, you know, five minutes because she'd been on the waiting list for three years for a season ticket. And uh, right now, I think the waiting list uh, to buy a seat in within the grandstand area is about 381 people. So it is, um, you know, we doubled our our goal this year was to sell 500 Brickyard season tickets. I think we're way past that, or almost at 600. Last year it was at 359. So the national championship definitely uh, garnered some more interest for us. And it's it's a great seat out there. You know, it's right uh, right field all the way over to about left center. Yep. Um, kids get to play mom and dad, you know, it's a fence bin area, so they're not going to go anywhere. And it's basically a built in babysitter for kids to kind of want to 
catch or whatever they want to do in the grass below the stand. So it's worked out really well for us. Oh, and they get a great view of that brand new national championship flag in right center. Yeah. That's, hey, that's hey, you right. like uh, you like lefties at the top of the batting order, and it seems like we steal more bases than anybody we play. Talk a little bit about your philosophy relative to those things from a game strategy standpoint. Well, I learned the hard way the first couple of years when I had a lineup of entirely of righty, basically power hitters. And when we got to the postseason the very first year, we got shut out twice. And that summer, I talked to a lot of people, including Mike Andre at Arizona. And he said, you know, sometimes in the bigger games with the better pitchers, the kids that get on are the, the little pesky lefties that just put it in play and run like hell. And <laughs> I didn't have any of those. So we kind of really changed our recruiting philosophy. And now it's I go a third, a third, a third. A third of our kids I want to be lefties. A third of the kids I want to be righties. And then the last third, you know, I want to mix in power with some good batting averages, you know, maybe singles, double hitters, um, some people that can run. You don't want all right, all, all power hitters. Uh, you got to have some lefties that can run. So right now our, our lineup is, I think, four lefties, five righties. Um, the first two are lefties that, you know, yeah. are fast. We have seven kids on the team, actually, that have the green light. So, you know, at any time, they, if they want to steal – they can steal. You know, I, I want to share with people, too, uh, The it's such a fast game. Uh, I've been following you guys now for six or seven years. Love it. Was hooked the first time I went. Uh, absolutely just love going to games there. And uh, the great thing is the stadium is built so close to the playing field. Uh, you can see their faces. You're right on top of the action. There's always something going on. And, and another great thing, especially about old folks like me, is that lime green ball. You can see it anywhere in the park. So it's really easy to follow. It's a fast game. And for people that are thinking it's just a bunch of kids lollygagging around out in the middle of a field, lobbing a softball around, uh, they need to go to a game. They need to go see these kids play, and if you go one time, you'll come back. Patrick, that run in Oklahoma City at the World uh, Women's College World Series last year was one of the most amazing sports odysseys I've ever seen, and maybe the most exciting. Uh, you were out there a long time, what, eight or nine or ten days. Tell us what made it different this time. You've been eight times. This time you made it work. Well, to tell you the truth, I was praying to God that I wouldn't end up being the Buffalo Bills of college softball. Um, you know, you're right. We were there eight times. The senior class, that was their third trip. We had six incredible kids that are seniors. I've been through every war, every battle. Amen. Um, and we had a pitcher that was basically on a mission. And that's, that's what you need. You gotta have that pitcher in the circle that the adversity, the resiliency, she has to have it all. Um, and you gotta have a couple of good breaks go your way. Yeah. You know, and we started off, we beat uh, Michigan and won the Big Ten at Super Regionals. Um, we beat, Cal, who won the, the Pac-12. We beat Oklahoma, who won the Big 12. I mean, it was a list of who's who who won all the conferences. And, you know, it's, and we had to play Tennessee the first round, you know, who's very good in our conference. So everything kind of went our way uh, the first three. And then we finally got to the championship series for the first time in school history. And, and then you have to play Oklahoma, oh boy. who has the player of the year, playing in their basically their backyard. Yep, 9,000 people screaming for them. And then you have to beat the player of the year twice. So, you know, you couldn't script it any other way. Uh, you no. could have written a better book. Uh, and then uh, what was lose. so great was it was Kalani uh, is Jackie striking out Kalani Ricketts, their star player, to end the game. 
on a looking at a call strike three and the picture of that we've put it on our Babin talk facebook page and it just went viral uh it's just one of the great photos in alabama sports history you know you mentioned those those six seniors what a special group uh and just a super bunch of kids and it was so great to see them get off that plane the next day and carry that trophy across the tarmac and meet the fans uh, at the airport in Tuscaloosa. One kid I want to mention is Olivia Gibson. She didn't get a lot of playing time out there, but has there ever been a more positive, supportive presence in a dugout than, than she was last year? Well, you know what? There's, you know, we do a thing called intangibles on the team and the girls come up with whatever they're going to bring to the table for this season. And last year was about uh, mid-January. And I kind of warned them that I'm going to ask about two weeks later, what is the intangible? And intangible is something that you and I can't see. Yeah. Uh, you can see that a kid is a great athlete. You can see that he or she runs fast or has power or is tall or whatever. But intangible is something inside that nobody can see. You don't know if a kid has heart. You don't know um, if she's competitive. You just you just don't know that. So Olivia's um, intangible to the team. Which she, she was going to bring joy to everyone around her. And she she really she did. did. Yeah, exactly. On a daily basis, she brought it every single day. And you know, every team needs an Olivia Gibson. And you know, she was one of those special kids that, although she didn't play a lot, her role on the team was huge. And I think everybody truly appreciated her. And you know. Um, I couldn't have been happier for her than we wanted. Hey, we definitely deserved it. Yeah, we're, we're, we're getting down in the count here, but I want to ask you a couple of more quick questions. You know, we're 22 games into the season, and it seems like you're playing more people and moving them around uh, than in the past, more so than in the past. Is that because you feel like you have more players capable of starting, or are you just trying to find the best combination in chemistry? Well, both. You know, we have 19 kids, 18 of them hit, so I wanted to get a lot of people out bats. Um you know, I, I, I say to them all the time, you know, you're on the roster for a reason, and I'm going to give you an opportunity, so you just you, you better be ready when you get that opportunity. And, yeah. and a kid like Danielle Richard last week, you know, Courtney Conley was, has been ill, and Danny steps in, starts the six games or five games last week, and she hits 647 and is the MVP of the, the tournament. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's a, that's a backup. And she was ready. She took her opportunity and ran with it. So... You know, that, uh, things like that, when that happens, it makes a coach smile. And, um, you know, they're ready for opportunities. But we're definitely, uh, we're still tinkering with a couple spots in the lineup. Um, obviously, you know, Florida is looming tomorrow. And I hope everybody that's listening gets to come out because that's going to be a, a heck of a good matchup. Hey, I'm going to be one there. versus number four. Oh, yeah. And then and this weekend we go to Tennessee, and I think they're number eight this week. So it gets uh, definitely, when you get into the SEC play, it's going to get tougher and tougher. Hey, I want to mention just a couple of things before we get out of here. I can't tell you how happy I am personally, and I know a lot of other people feel the same way, that you decided to stay with us, and boy, didn't that work out great. And the other thing that stands out about the teams in our program, the program you built, uh, like we touched on before, is they're so close. Can I assume the relational part of all this played a big part in your staying with us here at Bama? Oh, definitely. I mean, it's it's just a huge um – I mean, it's one big family out at the softball stadium. It I mean, shows. With the fan. Yeah, with the fans, with the players. And, you know, one one thing that um, I spoke to the uh, Calvary Baptist Men's Prayers Group on um, Friday, Friday morning, and I hear this all the time from our fans, but 
probably the number one reason why they like to come out and watch us is they all say that, man, it looks like everybody's having so much fun yeah. when they play. And it's a game, you know? You're, you're supposed to have fun. It's not supposed to be miserable as you watch. So our kids, you know, even if, um, you know, Jackie Trainer hits a home run, the other 18 are just as happy for her as if they hit it themselves. Absolutely. And I think when that happens, you got a really good team. One other quick thing, too, as I was walking up to um, um, a game recently, I've been to a couple so far, uh, enjoyed every minute. Uh, I was late. I was driving down from Birmingham, and uh, and as I walked up to the gate, I noticed there was an invocation uh, being given. And I just want to tell you how much I, I personally appreciate that. You don't see and hear that a lot on college campuses this day. Uh, and I just appreciate that. Patrick, I know you're so busy. Thank you so much for taking time uh, to talk to us today. It's just been a thrill, and I hope you'll come back and see us again sometime, would you? Oh, definitely. Thanks for having me on, Steve. Well, listen, we'll see you tomorrow night and go get the Gators. Okay, thank you very much. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. We're down to the last batter now, so we want to remind everybody to let your friends know you can find the show in the podcast section of iTunes or on Stitcher or at BigBrainsMedia.com. If you want to make saving and storing every episode easy and automatic, all you have to do is hit that subscribe button so you can listen to any show anytime you like, as much as you like, at no charge, because the downloads and the subscriptions are free. We've posted 28 shows now, and the great thing about the podcast format is that you can go back and catch shows you may have missed, or replay one if you want to hear it again. And there's a free podcast app available for your smartphone or mobile device, so you can listen to the show on the go, like while you're working out, or while you're watching Bama softball, or while you're taking a peek at the pics we post on our Bama Talk Facebook page. Like I mentioned a minute ago, this is our 28th show, and we've had a lot of great guests so far, so we want to encourage you to go back and listen to them share their stories. Our first guest was Dr. James Sanderson, who was a trainer for five years in the 70s under Coach Bryant. He's very involved with the A-Club and Rivals Unite, which you'll learn more about later. Chris Goode had a seven-year career in the league after his time with the Tide. Bob Lockamy has been involved in all kinds of sports-related ventures in this market for years and was Paul Feinbaum's part when sports talk radio exploded in the late 80s. Million Dollar Band Director Catherine Scott, Tyler Watts, Jeremiah Castile, Buddy Adelette, Jerry Duncan, Bobby Humphrey, Baron Huber, Dee Powell, who played under Coach Brian at Texas A&M and coached under him at Bama, Brian Selman and Lee Tiffin, Lyle Mitchell, Will Lowry, Thomas Ram of Desperation Block fame, Brandon Gibson, Martin Houston, Tuscaloosa Mayor Walt Maddox shared insights on the relationship between the city of Tuscaloosa and the university and the huge economic impact game days have on the community. Eddie Conyers talked about his 50-plus years refereeing Alabama football practices. Ben Cook, Carson Tinker, Jeremy Shelley. And on the last two shows, we've gotten to talk to Bart Starr, a Bama grad that was a two-time Super Bowl MVP, and John Croyle, who's provided a home at the Big Oak Ranch for 1,900 children over the last four decades. All these guys have been so gracious with their time, and we hope you'll take time to go back and listen so you can hear what they've had to say. You know, and after talking to John Croyle last week, we're glad to have the opportunity to get the word out about what they've got going on, and we hope you'll give some serious thought to supporting the place. If you'd like to find out more about how to help these folks feed those kids, you can find them online at bigoak.org. Their mailing address is Big Oak Ranch, 
P.O. Box 507, Springville, Alabama, 35146. And you can reach them by phone at area code 205-467-6226. We want to thank Patrick Murphy again for taking time to talk with us today because he's smack dab in the middle of softball March Madness. I know they're going to take it one game at a time, one pitch at a time, but I can't wait to see if we get back to OKC. For now, though, we're going to grab what's left of the peanuts and popcorn and Cracker Jack and head for the locker room. So for Mark Phillips, James Spann, and everybody behind Bama Talk at Big Brains Media, we hope you enjoyed it because we had a ball, y'all. Till next time, take care, have a blessed day, and roll tide. <laughs>